Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 352 of the Ask the Coach show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Oh, well, thank you, Jeff, and uh, welcome to all the listeners, and um, hope you're having uh, a good time out there with your table tennis. Hopefully, some of you are starting to be able to play in clubs or, um, you know, getting out and about a bit. But if not, um, hang in there. Uh, just do what you can at home and, uh, you know, reach out to us and uh, we'll be able to give you a hand with that as well. Absolutely, yeah. And we're lucky enough here in Australia we are getting to play a bit of table tennis. Um, uh, my school played some table tennis matches on the weekend. Great to see all the kids out there enjoying themselves and, you know, getting involved in some competition. So that that was awesome. Yes, yeah. How how did they go, Jeff? How was big win? Yeah, they play like um, six uh, singles, six reverse singles, and three doubles. So fifteen matches. They won fifteen nil. My team. Oh wow! Whoa. What a coach. <laughs> yeah, I don't know as much about that. They were just uh, just good players we had. Yeah, excellent, excellent. <laughs> Very good. good yes, work. and we got a big show for everyone today. We have. Yeah, a lot of good yeah. questions. And um, and a lot of good other segments too. Yeah, um, well, yeah. Once we get past the joke of the day, we should well, be right. Well, you know, Alice, I actually um was working in an ice cream factory, but I got sacked, and it was because I'll only work on two Sundays a month. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. That's got. To, did, did your son tell you that one? <laughs> uh, no, he didn't. He didn't. I got it from my secret calendar. Oh, that that calendar, huh? Yeah. Come comes through with the goods. Excellent. It does. Yeah. Did you did you hear the rumor about butter? No. Well, I'm not going to spread it. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Stick with the ice cream jokes. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. All right. Stick with the ice cream jokes. All right, but this yeah. is a big show because we have the segment on this week what have you got for uh, us ah yes on this week okay let me have a look ah uh, yes on this week um <laughs> it's it's uh yesterday where we are 9th of february um was wong man yu's birthday so wong man yu born in 1999 like that's just like the other day <laughs> um so she's 21 years of age chinese uh table tennis player um has the highest ranking of number three currently. Yeah, I think she's about number four in the world at the moment. Wow. Surely she turned 22. Yeah. Yeah, it must be 22. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Good. 22. <laughs> she was born in 1999. Um, yeah, 22 years of age. Um, but, yeah, so already won like a couple of world championship gold medals, you know, one in doubles wow. and one in teams. And a silver and a sorry and a bronze medal in the singles, but um, yeah, I first uh, saw her um, in a couple of tournaments where I was able to commentate at uh, the Australian Open. I think in 1997, I reckon I saw her, and she really impressed me. She's um, quite um, tall and smooth with her both backhand and forehand, and and uh, yeah, I really liked her game when I saw her. Um, uh, all those years ago she was probably about 10 years old then wasn't she um mm, yeah. yeah but um 
excellent, excellent player. And as I said, already, you know, she's just won the two world gold medals. You know, it's, it's incredible, really. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Wang yeah. and you. Yeah, a lot of potential. Um, I wonder, are we going to just... Are we going to get to the Olympics in this year? Tokyo is going to go ahead. What are you thinking? That's a big question. They're, they're all making the right noises. They're all saying that it's going to happen. Um, so, and, you know, I think that's just what we have to go with for now. Um, it's going to be a tough one to, to get over the line. But, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of people uh, working on it and a lot of people, you know, working really hard on it. You know, the, I'd really feel sorry for the Japanese people and the the Japanese um, organisers that have put so much work into getting this um, the the Olympics and Paralympics organised. Um, yeah, such a shame. Um, but I know. Um, it, it, but yeah, even but, if it goes ahead, it's going to be like a very different sort of feel, isn't it? Like I imagine they probably would they have an opening ceremony with a crowd. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. I don't know whether they'll have a crowd, but they'll have some sort of opening ceremony and closing ceremony, I think. Yeah, uh, and then, you know, I don't think, like, the the different athletes from the same countries are going to be allowed to, you know, mix together. So it'll probably just be, you know, your sport going there, um, which is also a bit of a shame. But, you know, if they can get it over the line, at least we'll see some incredible competition. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, it... Um, it will give the world something to look at and to watch and, uh, you know, to get excited about, you know, get, get behind your own country and watch um, watch your favourite sport of table tennis and watch, you know, these best players in the world going around and uh, and and uh, trying for the ultimate prize in table tennis, you know, gold medal at, uh, at an Olympics. It really is good for table tennis too. I know here in Australia it's not the most popular sport, um, but when table when the Olympics come around, People are always commenting on the table tennis and how incredible it is and how good it was to see the rallies. And so I think um, probably worldwide, but definitely here in Australia, gives um, table tennis a bit of a boost. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely an increase in um, in inquiries and things around Australia when uh, when the Olympics is on for table tennis. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a, another benefit. But. Well, a lot of uh, a lot of things to play out between now and then, but uh, as I said, you know, like the organisers have done such a power of work to to get it to this stage. Let's uh, let's see if they can get it over the line. Yeah, let's hope so. All right, so let's move on to the tip of the week. Well, the tip of the week this week, and um, you know, again, it's probably difficult in these times to think about for some of us, but. Mm. When you do get the opportunity, try to play with a wide variety of players. Um, it um, it becomes really important as you start to develop your game that you start to get a variety of um, types of ball that's coming towards you. You know, different levels of players, some better players, some weaker players um, that you can try things out on, or some better players that you know you might might learn from, or just provide you with a better quality of shot. To have to try and learn to deal with. So, um, the more players that you can play, the better. You know, I mean, some players just like to stay in their own little bubble and, um, you know, just play with their friends or just play at home. Um, but if you do ever get the opportunity to get out there and and play with a wider variety of players, um, really try to grab it. You know, like even if it's even if it's different people at work um, or a different group of people at school. 
um, you're, you're going to get um, something from playing with uh, with those other other players. Yeah, if you really want to improve, you've got to do that, don't you? Because then you you do face different styles, and at first you might lose to some people that you would think you might beat, but because of their style, you just don't. Or you might not have played against that style before, and um, they might be a little bit more cunning than you might think. Um, but the more you play against those styles, the better you'll get against them. So it is it really an important part of your development. Yeah, we often go back to your story, Jeff, of you know um, of how you started off, and um, and I think one of the big um, leaps for you was when you went down to the um, ACT table tennis and and saw um, a, yeah. a, a variety of players. Totally, yeah, yeah, big difference. Um, yeah, and and like I started playing in a handicap competition where you get head starts or um, or you give head starts depending on who you're playing. And you would play sort of people around your standard, but still a variety of players. And then if you won, you would play against, you know, different standards. So obviously I was a beginner. So if I got through my group, I'd get to play some really good table tennis players. So fantastic experience. And then also at the club there, the president was, you know, doing a lot to promote schools table tennis. So there was a lot of kids coming in from different schools. So really did get to play like a wide range of players. And, you know, that's why we always say get down to the club because at, at a table tennis club, you're going to get that. A lot of a lot of different styles. Yep. So yeah, uh, a lot of different yeah. ages as well. Um, and yeah, it's just and it's just a fun place to be. Yeah. So if if uh, the opportunity arises for for you, um, yeah, just see if you can get down to one of those clubs, um, or you know, or just search out for um, a wide variety of players that you can play with. Yeah, great tip of the week. Thank you, Alloys. Um, so next up, Alloys, we've had some competitions running. We, we've started this Who Am I competition based off a little Christmas gift I, I got. Um, but we're playing Who Am I, and they're all table tennis players. And this one, we had quite a few entries in, and the first week no one got it, but someone has picked it this second week with an extra clue. Yes, indeed. So, um, yeah, the clues we gave last week were that the player was right-handed and played in three Olympics. And um, in the first um, clue we was that uh, they were a German world champion and uh, played at three Olympic games. So, um, yes, uh, it was interesting. And the, the winner, or sorry, the, the, um, the answer was Stefan Fetzner. And the winner was Jasper, who uh, who picked that out of uh, out of all the entries. He was the only one that picked the winner. So uh, wow. so well done to Jasper. We d- really didn't give you many clues, and um, just a, a, a I mean, there's for those of you that don't know Stefan Fetzner, he actually yeah, did win a world doubles championships with Jorg Roskoff um, in um, 1989 um, at the in Dortmund. Um, he won the won the doubles there. So and I got uh, to play against not him, but Jorg Roskoff at the Olympics in doubles. Yeah, that's right. And that was that was like eleven years later in in two thousand, mm. wasn't it? Um, it was. Yeah. So um, I was just having a look at uh, when they when they won the men's doubles. Um, so Stefan Fetzner and Jorg Roskoff ended up like 
every match they played, so it was best of three up to 21, and each match was uh, went to the third game, and they won all of them, obviously. <laughs> so in the in their first round, they beat um, like two huge players, uh, Ulf Ticken Carlson and Ulf Bengston from Sweden. Wow. So they beat them 21-14 in the third. Then in the quarterfinals, they beat um, Gruber from Poland and Gatiend from France, 21-18 in the third. Um, in the semi-final, they beat the number one seeds Chenlong Can and Wei Ching Guan from China, 21-17 in the third. Huh. And then in the final, in like, um, so there were two Chinese pairs that both lost in the semis. Um, so in the final, they pl- came up against um, Kuharski from Poland and Kalinic from um, Yugoslavia. And they won that 21-19 in the third. So, um, yeah, so what a run. But um, And uh, I, I remember seeing their reaction when they won. They, like, almost <laughs> couldn't believe it. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it was a huge, huge result for Germany at the time to, to get that World Championships. Absolutely. Ah, so good. So yeah. So good. Yeah, so Stefan Fetzner, yeah, world, world doubles champion. Probably not too many of us know know about him but um yeah go and have a look at some of some old footage of stefan fetzner and um, some doubles that he played with jorg roskoff jorg of course um one of the german national coaches now so um yeah yes you'll see him coaching quite often yeah, yeah. on the bench so yes Very good. and so well done to jasper so jasper wins either one month uh pink seals premium membership or an hour online coaching Yes, right. so there you go, Jasper. And, of well course, done. we couldn't just announce a winner. We need another, who am I, because this this competition is really taking off. Exactly. Well, we're not going to give you too much today. Um, it's the who am I, and all we're going to give you is it's a Chinese female player. Mm, so Chinese female player. Interesting. So yeah. get your entries in, log on to pingskills.com, click on your name and hit the competitions and you will see it there. Yep. And yep. remember, you can you can have a go and um, if you change your mind, you can always change your answer or next week after the clues, if no one's picked it um, and if there's more clues next week, you can change your entry. So, um, yeah, get onto it. Yes, indeed. Get onto it. All right, so um, that is the Who Am I That's it. (laughs) So now we're on to the questions and some really good questions this week. And from none other than our competition winner, there is a question about having table tennis after school. And so Jasper says, I was wondering, do long hours of school affect how you play table tennis? So Jasper notices that... um, on Tuesday, he has school from 8 to 3 p.m. and then he has his table tennis sessions from 3 to 6.30 and he normally misses a lot, rushes, loses points, gets frustrated easily, tries to fix it, but just nothing seems to work. But on Friday, his school's only from 8 to 12.30 and then his training starts at 1 till 3 and he says he always does better on Fridays and similar thing on Sundays. So what are your thoughts yeah. here, Alois? How does this... How does um, long hours of school or even work 
affect your table tennis. Yeah, and I think I think this is relevant to all of us, you know. So so often we go and get a chance to play table tennis. And it's usually in the art in the evenings. Um, you might have had a big day at work, or, or you know, you might have a big day at school, or or studying, or you know, uni, or whatever it is. Mm. And um, and then you go and front up and play table tennis. And sometimes, you know, it can be uh, a drive there and a, you know, rush to get to table tennis and yeah. being in traffic. So I think, you know, one of the really important things is to just have that little bit of a pause in time between um, that busy and stressful time to that enjoyable time of playing table tennis, you know, so, so that you can really appreciate it and really um, – uh, put everything into it so a couple of things that i you know have um suggested uh you know one is just you know do a little bit of deep breathing like even if it's for a minute or two when you get to the table tennis hall um, that can really help by just um settling yourself centering yourself and um and i think just having that um uh, break you know between that hustle and bustle of what you're doing during the day to yeah it makes makes a lot of sense because sometimes you get so frantic and you're like i've got to get there and and you rush in and you suddenly grab your bat and you sprint out onto the table and yeah you just you're just not settled are you and you just never kind of catch up yeah Um, so i like that idea and you say even like one or two minutes can just make that difference you think yeah, and I, I remember someone um, telling me a little bit of a trick, and he used to do this um, on the way home, even because you know often often that can be the situation where you um, you know you had a really busy day at work or at school, and then you you know you you're going home and and jumping into a different situation. He said he used to just park around the corner, um, sit there for two minutes, do some deep breathing, and then. Um, and then, you know, feel a bit more refreshed and ready for that next part. And, yeah, try to separate those two things. And I think that works really well with your table tennis too. Oh, great um, tip. Yeah, and is there anything else um, you can do? Yeah, I, th- I think the other things to think about are just your nutrition. So, um, again, you know, during the day you've sort of had your lunch break perhaps, but that might have been a long time ago. It's good to just fuel the body, fuel the mind, uh, before you play and that could be you know just something simple like a like a, a shake or a, um, you know a, a protein drink or something like that that um, uh, or or just you know just having a, a, a small snack can then um, refuel your body and, and refuel your brain which is which is really important you know often often the brain suffers and uh, it's hard to it's hard to process things and hard to think or hard to concentrate if you if you're not fueled up well. So, so make sure you also think about your nutrition. Maybe I need to eat better. That describes me quite a lot of the time. <laughs> there you oh, go. Dear. Yes. Very good. All right. Great question, Jasper. And um, hopefully some of those tips help you out. Um, next up is a question from Ryan, and he wants to know. What is the best way to return a topspin serve from your opponent? Yes. So um, the, the the simple thing is to, to make a topspin of your own, really, because if it's a topspin serve, um, especially if it's long, then it you do have the opportunity to make a topspin attacking ball. Um, but I guess, you know, you also need to consider 
what the other player likes, you know. So if you if you play with topspin, but they're really fast and they're just going to smash that back at you, um, you know, maybe that's not the best answer. Then maybe it's better to, you know, slow the ball down, block it to position well or chop it back even. Um, but in general, you know, like if they're going to serve a long topspin serve, then try to make that topspin back at them. If it's a short topspin serve, then you can think about um, the flick stroke as well. Yeah, interesting. And I, I don't know, I find with those long, fast topspin serves, sometimes I used to think I had to, like, attack them as hard as I could and I would just miss some because I was trying to hit them too hard. I was, like, trying to overhit it and hit it for a winner every time. And I don't know, if you're good enough, that's the way to go. Like, if you're Ma Long, sure. Um, but I think sometimes you don't have to hit those serves as hard as you think they're already coming pretty fast so you don't need to generate a lot of speed yourself and if you just slow it down a little bit and and focus on the placement i found for myself sometimes i could get better results that way yeah that's that's a good tip Mm. so that variety and um and just you know keeping keeping the your opponent off balance um is often better than uh, just playing strong yeah nice one all right, good question, Ryan. And and we do have some tutorials on that, so I'll put a tutorial in the show notes. So have a look at the website for that, and um, yeah, hopefully that helps you out. Now I'm just looking. I'm just looking at the questions today, um, and it's a bit of a Ryan fest. It is, yeah. Well, Ryan's got some good questions. That's you know we pick the best ones. But and, but 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 we've got two different Ryans. <laughs> we do, yes. <laughs> Yeah, so this question also from Ryan, but a different Ryan. And Ryan wants to know how to play against a fast backspin that comes in at your elbow. He says similar to a chop smash. I reckon that would be quite hard to return personally. But (laughs) he says, you know, he's lost a lot of points because he finds he can't push it and he can't loop it because it's in at that elbow. So do you have any suggestions for Ryan? Yeah, the first thing is that... um, don't try and do too much with it because, as you say, it's coming through pretty fast. You know, it might have a lot of backspin on it and it's in an awkward position because they've managed to find your elbow position there. So the, 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 there's there's two options, really. One is to just uh, to push the ball back. So um, allowing your hand really to find that ball. So not trying to do too much, but just trying to get your hand in the right position so that you can push that ball back. and you're saying that you're not returning them at the moment. So the first um, objective is to just get that ball back on the table, you know, so try to find a way to just find the angle of your racket to be able to push that ball back on the table, even if it's going, if it's going a little bit higher or uh, whatever it is, you know, get it back on and make your opponent play um, another shot. The other, the other option is, and it might sound really difficult, but um, I find it's a, it's a shot that can be really effective and that is just like a very very small short topspin where you're basically just using your your fingers and your wrist and maybe a little bit of forearm and you're just really flicking the ball up with some topspin uh, with a really small action now it needs to be small because because as you said you haven't got time you haven't got time to play a big topspin and you haven't even got the 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 um the space in there when it's in your elbow so just by thinking about you know flicking the ball up and i think it's probably easier with your backhand than your forehand because um 
you don't need as much space to play that backhand topspin. So you could you could give that a try as well, Ryan. Just um just try to play that very sh- small sharp um, topspin stroke um, when that ball comes in spearing at your spearing at your elbow area. Mm, interesting. So I guess this is for when it's coming really fast. So like ideally you'd you'd sort of move around in a position and then be able to play a full stroke. But it, I guess Ryan's talking about this ball. It's coming really fast, is he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. when when he so he's he's just not feeling like he's got any time to to uh, to play the shot. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. All right, great question, Ryan. And another question from Ryan. <laughs> but this is another good question because he says, "Is blocking a bad shot?" Because recently at our club, the coach was criticising the block in a rally is really bad because it gives a no-spin ball which the opponent can then attack and accelerate. But Ryan's thinking it's not so bad. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, a block a block has its place. Um, you know, I think uh, maybe what your coach is saying is if you've got the opportunity to play a, a stronger shot um, or, a, you know, a different shot, then, you know, maybe block isn't the best option. But sometimes you haven't got time. So similar to that previous question where, you know, that push is coming in too fast to you, sometimes they're attacking or top spinning at you and you haven't got time to play a bigger stroke or a top spin stroke. So in that situation, the block um, can be the most effective stroke. So think also about what you can do with the block. So think about trying to put a little bit better placement on it or if you have... Um, you know, just that f- fraction of a second, just um, press that ball a little bit faster uh, or put a fraction of topspin on it um, just to make that block a little bit more effective um, if you can. But, but you know, in, in, a, um, in itself, the block can be an effective stroke um, because it's a stroke that you play when, you know, the other player is attacking at you um, and you can, uh, you can play that block stroke. Yeah, and I like what you said there about if you are blocking well, maybe just force the block just a little bit more, and it doesn't have to be a lot, but that can make a big difference also. And and the other point is, if you look at some of the great players um, of the past, um, we were talking to Tom Lodziak the other day on the podcast, and he was um, talking about Desmond Douglas and what a great player he is, and he was just renowned for staying close to the table and just, you know, blocking everything off the bounce and really putting pressure on his opponents with that type of shot. And then we often talk about uh, Waldner and how good his block was. And, of course, you know, Samsonov, one of your favourite players, Alloys, also unbelievable blocker. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, you know, and, and I guess, you know, what the what the players are doing now doesn't look like a block, you know, because the, a lot of them are, you know counter spinning a bit mm. but but yeah i mean if yes if you if you just go back to a waldner or or even marlong you know on his backhand side sometimes we'll just block that ball back um if he hasn't got time so yeah there there is a place for it but um yeah use use it uh to the best of your ability and and see the level of blocking that you can start to bring to to the game yeah absolutely um all right well ryan and ryan thank you so much for the questions um really good questions i enjoyed them today alex excellent good and what that means though is that now it's time for omg facts yes (laughs) 
Now, this is a fact. Yeah. The dinosaurs became extinct before the Rockies or the Alps were formed. Gee. No. Yep. No. Now, if you no. Hey, yeah. Really? Yeah, really. They were they're extinct a long, long time ago. Before but the you Rockies were even... have been there a while too. <laughs> yeah, but the dinosaurs were like extinct before you were even born. <laughs> well, that is. Um, joke of the daytime, mixed in with OMG facts, doesn't get much better. Um, <laughs> if you could drive your car straight up, you would arrive in space in just over an hour. Really? Yeah. Hundred k's. Not that far. You don't say the speed. Just as if you could drive up. Yeah, I've often thought that space (laughs) isn't that far away. But no, pretty close. How many k's to the outer atmosphere or something? What what do they call it? I don't know, but it can't be that far because when you go up in the plane, they don't get yeah mm, too high, do they? The air starts getting pretty thin at like thirty thousand feet, doesn't it? Yeah. Meters. Good question. Um, here's another one. The last execution by hanging in the US was on January 25th, 1996. Oh, that okay. does not seem that long ago, does it? No. By hanging? Gosh, yeah. That's 25 years ago. Yeah. No. And I haven't played table tennis for that long. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's a long time. You should go back and play. Get in some veterans. Have a yeah, hit. Or, fl- or fly to outer space. <laughs> um, now, four is the only number that has the same amount of letters as its actual value. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's a fact. And another fact is that about one-third of SpongeBob SquarePants fans uh, adults. Yeah, not not a fan. <laughs> not no, a fan. And it's not that good a fact because it's like about one third, you know. Yeah. About, mm. Yeah. No. Um, no. All right, here you go. My son would almost like this fact because he likes rap, but this is kind of older. Um, the Beastie Boys album, licensed to three, was the first rap album to go number one on the Billboard charts. <gasps> there you go. What? I don't even understand any of that. <laughs> Who? The Beastie Boys. Oh, no. oh dear. No. Uh, well, no. there you go. There you go. That's my facts for today. Yeah. Well, I just had a look. The common definition of space is known as the Kármán line, an imaginary boundary 100 kilometres above mean sea level. That's like just – it's an hour. It's an hour's drive. Exactly. Let's go. All right, let's do it. All we need is a car that can go up. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> yes, if anyone's got one, let us know. <laughs> uh, uh, I might call my call my friends at NASA. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. They go a little well, faster. Those things they drive, they might not even take an hour to get up there. No, nah, I doubt it. They're not. <laughs> they're not taking that long. That's good facts, Jeff. Thank good you. Fact. Yeah. Thank you. And, of course, thank you to everyone who's listening. Make sure to check out pingskills.com. 
Make sure they enter the competition. Who am I? Chinese female player. And um, Don't of course, give too many facts. No. No clues. Yeah, good. And good. of course, thank you, Alloys, for all your words of wisdom and you know helping everyone with their table tennis. Uh, it's a pleasure, and thank you, listeners, and thanks, Jeff. Um, and uh, we'll be back again next week. See you next week. Bye.